So this morning we are uh, going to be taking or not moving on to Pastor Reed's next passage in the book of 2 Samuel, as Jack suggested, but uh, we're going to look at just one story from the life of Elijah, one that actually takes place um, at least in what is recorded in the beginning of his ministry that we have in the scriptures. Uh, and we come to this passage, and I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open uh, as we're going to be working through this in a moment, just verse by verse, to see what we have in this story, what we have in the Word of God from Elijah's life. But we come to the tail end of chapter 17, and as I said, this is in the beginning of Elijah's ministry. Elijah was a prophet of God. Um, we see God works through him in mighty ways uh, to fulfill his purposes on the earth. But Elijah's an interesting character in the scriptures. If you've ever thought about him, he's someone that we know nothing about his childhood. We know nothing about his early years. He literally is kind of just dr dropped on the scene of the scriptures out of nowhere. We don't get any background about him. He just kind of comes about and we get a pretty extended story um, about Elijah, how God uses him in First and Second Kings. So I want to just give you, since we haven't been going through Elijah's life, we haven't been going through First Kings, just want to give you kind of a review of what has happened up to this point, as it's important for our story and some of the characters we're going to run into. But we see it's very evident right from the start of Elijah's life, Elijah's story in the scriptures, that God is using him in a mighty way. And we see that right from the start of First Kings 17, or where Elijah's story picks up, where Elijah comes, he has great boldness, and he declares that there will be a drought over the land of the most wicked and sinful king of Israel up to that point, and that is King Ahab. And Elijah essentially tells the king over the land, you will have absolutely no water unless I say so. Okay, and we, we find as we move through 1 Kings 17 that God, though the land, though King Ahab's land doesn't have water, there's a drought at that time, God still provides, he still protects his prophet Elijah by supplying him water from a water source and then also feeds him both bread and meat by ravens. Okay, and eventually uh, this river that God was supplying for Elijah dries up and God does something odd and he sends Elijah to a foreign land. He sends him out of Israel to a town called Zarephath. And that's kind of the setting of our story today. But in Zarephath, we see God continues to provide for Elijah again in an unexpected way. And he feeds him through a widow in Zarephath. Okay, he has the food or her food miraculous, miraculously reproduce so that Elijah and even this widow is fed. But in 1 Kings 17, our chapter, we don't only see God providing in unexpected ways, but he provides for unexpected people. I already mentioned Elijah, and then I said he provided for this widow. Okay, and at first you might think, why is that unexpected? Well, it's unexpected because first, this widow would have been a social outcast. She was poor, she was a widow, okay, and they were often those who would be neglected, kind of pushed to the side of the society. But then second, in this context of Elijah's story that we have here, it's unexpected that God would provide for this woman because she's a foreigner, she's not an Israelite, she's a Gentile, she's a woman from another country, not of God's chosen people, Israel, and yet God 
shows that he cares for, he provides for. And we see how God works in a mighty way through Elijah by showing his power to stop the rain, but also to provide food, to provide water when his people need it. That's where we pick up in our story, 1 Kings 17, 17, and we see Elijah, he's continuing his stay in this widow's house, this widow of Zarephath. It's her, her son, and Elijah, and he is continuing to live off this miraculous supply of food from God. So our theme for this section of Scripture is this, that God takes an awful tragedy and uses it to display his power, which ultimately leads to his name being honored. Again, our theme is God takes an awful tragedy and he uses it to display his power, which ultimately leads to his name being honored. 1 Kings 17 opens with this tragedy. If you look with me there, okay, it sets the context. It sets the main event for this section. 1 Kings 17 says, after this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So chapter 17, it continues on in the home of the widow of Zarephath. But as we continue on in the passage, we see something awful takes place. A child dies. Okay? It can be easy to kind of read through these stories and not really take in what is happening or the gravity of the events that are happening. But you look again at verse 17, and a child dies. The widow of Zarephath's son dies. The son of the widow who he was just mentioned briefly in the earlier verses, he falls ill and it's so bad that he, it actually kills him. We see this terrible situation is the basis. It's kind of the platform that the rest of the story springs from. And as we move on in the story, we're going to see how both the, ch- the mother of the child reacts to his death and we're going to also see how Elijah reacts to this death. So first we're given the widow of Zarephath's reaction. If you look with me at verse 18, 1 Kings 17 verse 18 says, and she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. What's her response? Her response is immediate blame. Okay, immediate blame is the widow's reaction. She blames Elijah for her son's death. She's asking, what have I done to cause you to do such a thing? Why did you do this to me? How could you ever cause my son to die? The widow, she thinks she pinpointed the reason Elijah has done this. And she says that he's come to bring punishment and judgment on her sins. Again, as she said, you have, you have come to bring to remembrance, my sin to remembrance, and to cause the death of my son. So she thinks she pinpoints, this is the reason my son dies, or has died, and it's because of my sin. She's saying, Elijah, you have had my son killed because of what I've done. Okay, and we see here, the woman, she wrongly blames Elijah, and at the same time, she wrongly assumes that her sins would cause immediate punishment. So, Her response is a rash response. She's rash. She's just saying all kinds of things that she doesn't necessarily have a basis for. Okay, and and though we're not told that her sins, what her sins are, and what she feels must have caused her judgment, what we see 
is her seeking to understand why. So I said she responds rashly. But when we boil this down, this woman, this mother, is trying to find out and understand why has this taken place? Why has this tragic event in my family taken place? That's the reason for her rash accusation. She's seeking to know the reason why her son has died. So we see the response of the widow of Zarephath to her son's death. Now I ask, what do you think of her response? Okay, so we see her response, and for me, when I was studying this passage, I first wondered, how could she do this? Okay, how could she do this? As we look again at verse 18, it said, And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And when I was studying this verse, I thought, how could she do this? How could this be her response to Elijah? Elijah had just spared her and her son's life. Again, it kind of went over the context, but we saw that her son and her we're about to die of starvation, and then Elijah shows up, and his God provides food for them. And we saw in verse, or we would see in verse 12, if you look with me there, 1 Kings 17, 12, the widow said to Elijah, when he asked her for food, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. So they, they were all about to die, and Elijah and God saved their lives. So when I was studying this, my first response is I questioned, how could she blame Elijah so quickly? Maybe, maybe it'd be after a little while that she'd finally turn on him, but after all he's done, after all God's done, she turns on him so quickly. The widow and her son were still being fed with this miraculous food. You see, in one sense, in her grief, in her rashness, we see how quickly she forgets. So that was my first response. Maybe that's how you responded. Maybe you responded a little different when you first saw how the widow responded. But then as I sat with this text a little bit longer and I began to think about it in a different way, we see that her son had just died her only son that we know of, and, and most likely, as I said, he was still young. So as I thought about this, I started to realize the gravity of this event, of how tragic this was, what a terrible and awful thing for a child to be taken away to die like this. She had no time to prepare. It seems to be pretty sudden. She was probably in shock. She was probably in disbelief. It was a surprise to her. She probably didn't know what to do. She would never again be able to hug him or talk to him or cook for him or tuck him in at night. She had just lost her son. She's a widow, so she had already lost her husband. And now she loses the only other person that we know of in her family, and that is her son. And that would have been the one who would have ultimately provided for her when he grew up. So, though we know that she is wrong to blame Elijah, we can still feel for her. And I think that's a, that's a proper response to her response. We can feel for her. We can sympathize with her. We can see what she's going through, this grief that she has. We can understand why she would feel as if she had to blame and question why. So, the application for us this morning 
As we think about the widow's reaction, as we think about our lives today, we are struck with the reality that life brings tragedies. People encounter great loss. We may be shocked at the news of a loved one dying. We might go through a terribly life-changing event. And often the human response, our response to these events, is to act rashly. We may say things we would have never said before. We may even question why. We might even ask God why. We may place blame on someone else who is not deserving at all. And we might act like this for a period of time. It might not just last a day. It might last many, many days. So the application for us, or the lesson, is that these things take place in almost everyone's life. And if we haven't experienced them for ourselves, you probably know someone else that has dealt with these types of tragedies. Even as Christians, we are not spared from these types of tragedies. So this is a passage right from the start that confronts us and says life is filled with tragedies, it's filled with suffering, it's filled with awful situations, and we're going to be able to learn lessons of how we should deal with these types of things. And we see already the mother's reaction. Now we come to Elijah's reaction. Okay, and Elijah's reaction is one that I think we should take notice of. And it's found in 1 Kings 17, 19 through 21. And we'll start with verse 19. Verse 19 says, And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. So if Elijah responded with any words, were not given to them. Or any other words were not given them. All we are told is he, he asks for the child. I want you to think about how Elijah could have responded to the widow. As I said, all we get is he says, give me your son. We're not told anything else, but think about how Elijah could have responded. He had just been accused. He had just been falsely blamed. This, this widow, this mother, has lashed out at him. Think about how he could have responded. She's upset, and he could have, he could have followed her emotions, and he could have got defensive and said, I'm not to blame. This was not my fault. If it were not for my God and I, your son, and you would have been dead long ago. How dare you accuse me? That's one response. Another way he could have responded to the widow by, is by giving her a theological lecture. Responding to her accusation and saying, don't you remember God provided for you? And he still is. Don't you know that God does not repay your, our sins that way all the time? Don't you think I would have done this when I first came to you since I've been now lodging in your home for a little while? So this is another response he could have had. And a third response, he could have just been offended. He was blamed, falsely blamed. He could have been offended since he was the prophet of God. Surely he cared about this boy. He had spent time with him. He probably loved him for himself. And now he's accused of causing his death. Think about Elijah's response. He doesn't respond in any of these ways. And the application for us that I want to point out is think about how you respond to those who are hurt. What is your response to someone who expresses that they're going through a tough time in their life? What is your reaction to those who are continuing to grieve about a tragedy that happened even several months or even several years ago? 
I'll ask you further, how do you respond when someone blames you in the midst of their tragedy? Okay, you had no part in it, but they blame you. Do you respond just as angry as the accuser? Do you give them a theological lecture? Are you offended? Or do you, with care and concern, listen to what someone is going through? What if you'd respond like that rather than trying to protect yourself when they lash out at you? That's Elijah's response, and it's to ask for the child. We have to, have to question, what's he going to do with him? All right, kind of leaves us in suspense if we don't move on. So continuing with Elijah's response, we see Elijah looks to God. 1 Kings 17, verse 20, if you look with me there. 1 Kings 17, 20 says, And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? We know God's in control. We know He's ultimately behind this event in some way, shape, or form as He is the giver and even the taker of life. So in one sense, we could see some blame here in Elijah's response. I think rather I'll use the word that he looks to God as we're going to see further what he does. But we see Elijah, he seems to deal gently with this widow. He doesn't respond as she did. She does, he doesn't try to teach her lessons, but rather he looks to God in the midst of this tragedy. So the application for us is, I'd ask, how often do you do that in the midst of tragedy? Do you pray to God? Do you look to God? Even when someone else is dealing maybe with a tragedy, do you go to God and pray to Him? Bringing your grief, bringing your struggles to the Lord. Do you pray when you experience a tragedy? Now we get Elijah's response concerning the boy. Okay, he, he cries out to the Lord. He questions, he even questions God's purposes. Again, verse 20 says, And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? So he, he questions God's purposes, questioning why God would bring distress and even such a horrible event to this widow who's already going through so much. Okay, if you think about it, think about this widow. She's already dealing with so much. She's poor. She lost her husband. She was already at the point of death. She already almost died once. And now she sees her child die. You might think, Elijah might think, she doesn't deserve this. Hasn't she already dealt with enough? God, what is your purpose behind all of this? Okay, and what I want to point out is just pause here. When you think about our story, we get two illustrations of how people, how humans deal with grief, not understanding what is going on. We find with the widow and Elijah, though they respond differently, ultimately at the heart of things, they question the same thing. Why? What is the purpose? Why has this happened? For what result has this young child's life been taken from him? The widow, she tries to figure it out, and she tries to pinpoint it on Elijah and her sin. Elijah's response is to look to God. But ultimately, when we boil this down, both want to know why. So we see here that, as we, that we as humans are left unknowing often why things take place. Why do horrific things happen? Why do people die when they die? Why are we in awful in an awful situation at work? Why has someone done something so terrible to us? 
We need to realize that we are not going to be able to understand or always know the purpose behind the events that we experience. We see that from this story very much so. Maybe the question is, how do we move on from these things? Okay, this, this passage doesn't necessarily answer why or what the purpose is. Uh, we're going to see at the end, I think we can certainly conclude maybe one of God's reasons for doing this. But I think one of the lessons we should take away is how do we move on from these things? How do we live in the midst of these tragedies? And I think Elijah presents us an example for how we should move forward in these tragedies. So we look at verse 21, and though Elijah's distressed, he's confused, he's upset, we see Elijah steps out in faith. Elijah has faith in God. Verse 21. Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. So Elijah looks to the Lord again. He has confidence that God will work. He prays to God. In the midst of a tragedy, Elijah is confused. The widow is probably shocked. She's stunned by this event. Elijah looks to God in faith. You might be thinking, God, I don't know why you did what you did. I don't understand your purposes. I don't know why you do what you do, but God, I trust in you. And we see by his actions that Elijah has faith in God. In one sense, we could say this this story is testing Elijah's faith. He hears the boy has died and that the mother is blaming him. He could have responded, God, I have no clue what you're doing. And he could have just walked away. Okay? This son dies. He could have just moved on from the widow's house. He could have thrown in the towel. But instead, in this tragic event, in this tough situation, we see Elijah has faith in God. He looks to God rather than just getting out of there. So Elijah displays his faith in two ways. First, by stretching himself over the child three times. Again, as it says, then he stretched himself upon the child three times. The question that might come to mind is, what exactly is he doing? We're not told exactly what he's doing. The text does not make it clear. Possibly he's trying to symbolize what he wants to happen. He puts his body over the child, and he's hoping, or he's praying that warmth, that life would come back into the child, but we're not explained, or we're not told, and we can't know for sure what he's doing here. But the second thing that we see, or secondly, his faith is displayed in this verse by praying that the boy would live again. Again, if you look with me at verse 21, it says, then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, Let this child's life come into him again. So we see by his prayer and by his actions that he exercises faith. So the application for us, when we think about this story, you might write it off and think, how does this apply to me? We've already showed some ways, but you might really think God raises someone from the dead? Am I supposed to expect him to raise my loved one from the dead? Okay, I don't think that's supposed to be the application from this. We see here that Elijah, though he's a prophet, though he's acting in a miraculous way, he did things, God did things through him that we could never do. At the same time, we should see this passage 
that we are called in the midst of tragedy, in the middle of a situation where we don't understand it, we're questioning why God, we are to look to God in faith. We are to look to our God with trust, with complete confidence, that though we don't get what's going on, what he's doing, we are to trust him and pray to him. We may ask for God to do things in faith, but asking only on the terms, if you will. If it is your will, God, please do this. God, I pray that you'd help me in this situation with what I want to do to be aligned with your will. And we see here that what Elijah asked was according to the will of God. As we close out the story, we see that tragedy turns to rejoicing. We see the Lord brings life back into the boy. Verse 22, if you look with me there. 1 Kings 17, 22. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. So in the midst of this terrible and sudden tragedy, an amazing thing happens, and this boy lives. God brings the boy back to life through the faith and prayer of Elijah. We see that God is both a God who hears our prayers from this verse, and he's a God who answers our prayers. Again, we must remember that God answers those prayers that are according to his will, but it shows how God answers and even uses our prayers to further his will. In verse 23, we see Elijah presents the living boy. Verse 23 says, And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. A simple verse, seemingly calm, but when you try to imagine this, imagine the rejoicing, the celebration that was brought to the family. Again, it says, And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and he delivered him to his mother. Can you expect the shock, the surprise, and then once that, she overcomes that, how happy she would be that her son is now alive. This woman was at the lowest point in her life, and now she has given her dead son back alive. And we see ultimately in verse 24 the God-honoring result. Verse 24 says, And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. So from this tragedy, from this situation, that no one would wish on their worst enemy, God is glorified. It's not simply that this son is made alive. Look at the words again of this widow. She says, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. We see that the widow of Zarephath genuinely believes. She proclaims and believes in Elijah and she believes in the word of God. You can see this widow either had genuinely believed back when Elijah performed this miracle or if she had never truly believed. We see here, I think, that she truly believed from this tragedy from this miracle by the results that were brought about. So we see how God used the death of a young boy to bring himself honor and glory. That God turned around an event that no one wants to go on to be a joyous event. Okay, that someone comes to know him. So as I said in the beginning, our theme 
God takes an awful tragedy and uses it to display his power, which ultimately leads to his name being honored. We see an awful tragedy takes place. We see how people are blamed and God's purposes are questioned. We see what the effects of a terrible situation can do. But we also see the way in which God can use these types of things to bring honor and glory to his name. I'd like you to think about something that you've gone through. They get maybe a situation, an event in your life. Maybe it's possibly a death. Maybe it's a lost job. Maybe it's a broken relationship. Maybe it's an injury. How did God use that for his honor and for his glory? Or maybe you can't see that right now. Sometimes in the moment, all you see is the pain, all you see is the tragedy, the hurt, the longing to see that person again. In the moment, or even in the days, the weeks, the months to come, you might not be able to see how God is going to work this out, or how he is working it out. It might seem impossible. Maybe it's just years down the road reflecting, and you see how God used this situation, this thing you would have never wanted to happen, how it brought glory to his name. And if you're dealing with something right now, I'd like you to think of the example of Elijah. To look to him as an example and to step out in faith, have confidence in God that he'll work, okay, that he will bring glory and honor to his name through this, this awful situation. And ultimately realize that through any struggle or hardship or tragedy that takes place within your life, that God's in control then, that we see that in this story we see how god is at work maybe even if it wasn't visible at first we see and we are called i think from this story to continue in faith looking to him to honor and to glorify his name in the midst of tragedies let us close with a word of prayer lord i just thank you for the time that we could spend in your word i thank you for the lessons that we learned from elijah's life how we learned from this awful situation, this tragic event of a child dying, and all that that would have meant for the widow, even all that it would have meant for Elijah, and just the pain, the sorrow, the grief that they would have experienced, and Lord, we too deal with things like this. Maybe it is the death of a child, or maybe it's the death of a loved one, or it's a broken relationship, or it's a lost job, or it's something that just completely alters our life and causes us great sorrow and grief. Lord, I pray that you would comfort us in those times, that you would bring relief in those times, that you would comfort anyone that's dealing with something like that right now. But Lord, at the same time, we realize from this story and we see from this story that you are in control, that you are a God who is over all things and at work in all things, even if we can't see it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain steady and faithful in our relationship with you through these times, that you would help us to endure, even if we don't understand what you're doing. Lord, I just pray that you would really challenge us this morning to look to you, to depend on you in the midst of tragedies, both those that we are going through now, maybe that we've gone through in the past, or that we'll go through in the future that we don't even know anything about right now. Lord, I just pray that Elijah would be an example to us this morning, that you would help us in the midst of tragedy. And in your name I pray, amen.